Expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12 step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Hit it, Dave! Overcome. That's Dave Fleming, vid, CADC Level 2. Dave Fleming. <clears throat> Welcome to Entitled to, uh, to bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> Entitled to Overcome <laughs> Solutions for Life Today. Uh, today, today, today. Man, I love that song. Isn't that a great song? God, I haven't listened to that whole thing God, in a while. I'm going to have to go put it in on the. We got to go head up to uh, Salem here after I leave here. So I'm gonna, yeah. I think I'm going to pop it in the deck. and. Absolutely. Creed. No, 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 no. The guy from Creed. Well, no, that, it is. It is Creed. That song is off. Maybe that's off the last. Creed I think. Album. I think that is them. I think that's off him. the last al- album that they did. Yes. Yeah. Scott Stapp. Yeah. There, there's Amazing a, guy. There's a miracle story there Gee, after all the willikers. stuff he's been through. Well, uh, how the heck are you, man? Look at you. You got your Take Twelve Radio hat on. Just for you, man. I know. Got to got to share the love. Yeah, yeah. It's been, you know, I, yeah, I, I miss coming here every Monday. You know, to I know. The truth. Well, tell those guys to change your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Careful what you ask for. Yeah, right. Well, we miss having you uh, on the other days too, but uh, we are fortunate enough to have you on the third Monday of the month. And and speaking of other shows, just to let everybody know, so the first two Mondays of the month is The Great Reality, a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio with multiple co-hosts. Uh, currently, um, it is uh, uh, Denver, um, Marv, and Margie. It was Dave as well, but, you know, he had to go make a living. Uh, and then the third Monday of the month is uh, Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with uh, Dave. Um, and then the fourth Monday of the month, uh, starting in March, will be the Rob Kelly Hour. Dr. Rob Kelly, better known as the Addiction Doctor, uh, and I will be doing a show the fourth Monday of the month. And we're nice. going to be we're going to be having Rob and his co-host uh, Jennifer Lovely back on the show on a special broadcast Friday, February twenty sixth, where I'm going to be asking him the question: What is the difference? between alcoholism 
and narcotic addiction because there is some slight differences. Um, uh, neuroplasticity and the way the brain sure. does its thing and stuff. Um, Alcohol and, is a drug. It is, isn't it? <laughs> so I, I love the post or the response to the post I put on Facebook about sober is doesn't mean not drunk. Isn't that great? I had to throw my two cents. I in know. There. I loved it. I loved it. Um, but it's like you. It's like Monty's one hundred and one on how to poke the bear. I know, right? It's like wow. <laughs> And, and so, I, my for those of you who don't know, my statement was sober does not mean not drunk. It means total abstinence. If you're not totally abstinent, then you're not sober. And and so people started shooting. Thinking, well, what about caffeine? What about nicotine? As I said, sober. And, and one guy who we know who left a program prematurely, and he's out there right now. He responded. He says, I think he's talking about alcohol and narcotics. I mean, even he had brains enough to say, you know, come on. I mean, don't be stupid. You know, and, and then uh, somebody said, you know, why don't you work your own program, stay in your own lane and stuff like that. You know what I'm like? Did, did they is, know that? It, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is my lane. That's my, that's the Take 12 Radio's Facebook page. That is our lane. Oh, man. <laughs> but you, you don't have to say much to, to – to, to get people to get all uptight and freaked well, out, you, you can you can pick off the ones that are that still have some work to do. Absolutely, absolutely. That are working their program and not the program. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody said I'm not arrogant enough to dictate a definition to other people what sober is. <laughs> well, thanks for the compliment. I, I consider myself extremely arrogant. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it's oh, it's like you have to. Oh Lord, oh, my brain hurts. It's like you have to spell everything out in minute detail. I know, right? Before people will like understand. Well, they don't read what's being written. Sober does not mean not drunk. Right there says we're talking about booze. But but people just skim over things. They make assumptions. And they get all uptight. I could be drunk with power, though, Monty. Yeah, one guy said, what if you're high on Jesus? <laughs> oh, my. You have more problems than, uh, than, than yeah. <coughs> oh, my goodness. So anyway, but did, I, did your sponsors be spirit, over-spiritualized much? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I... I, I for years, I let things like that. I was like some of those folks. I let that stuff really just, you know, knock me over the edge and ruin my day. And and one day I just woke up and thought, what am I doing? People that that get resentful over things like that, they walk around resentful all day long. It it could all day it, long. It doesn't. It could be anything, <clears throat> right? People are driving too fast. People are driving too slow. The music it's at church Tuesday. is too loud. It's too soft. It's too, yeah, it's Tuesday and not Monday, or it's Monday and not Tuesday. I have to go to work. I don't have work. <laughs> it's raining. It's sunny. <laughs> it's snowing. It's what? not Leave your opinion to yourself, Monty. No, I don't want to. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> hey, I was told a long time ago. You know what? To get my own radio station. Right. So I did. You just tell the tell people, like, you know, this is goes for a lot of other people have said, this on about other things but it's like if you don't like 
the information. Yeah. Don't don't engage subscribe. it. Subscribe. Yeah. Hit the delete button. Click delete. Unlike unfollow. Yeah. Right. Right. If you got if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Or come on the show. And we'll let you talk. <laughs> I said I welcome it. I, and I said on there. I said. Um, we're not affiliated with any 12 step fellowship, so you can't throw that at me. Um, and we're going to talk about things that are opinionated Yeah, and, and uh, we welcome all opinions. So, you know, take your fingers off the key- keyboard and stick them in your ear. If you've got something intelligent to share, I'll, I'll, I'll have you on email us take 12 radio at comcast.net. Mm. And you know, I, I hear some, some, some of my colleagues in talk radio will invite people with opposing views on their shows yeah. and they never hear from them. You know why? Because they don't have a leg to stand on and, and they, they can't put a couple of words together to make their point in an intelligent manner. And so they just, they don't do it. They never hear from them. And either do I, I don't hear from them either. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Now that we, we lost half the world. That's Bye. okay. Somebody said, my money talks to me. It says, goodbye. <laughs> does your money say goodbye? Mine does. What money? <laughs> what money? <laughs> All right. The topic, <laughs> uh. the topic on this, uh, this show is overcoming hidden fears. Um, but I think, uh, I think the clock is ticking. Uh-oh. I wonder what time it is, Dave. Oh. It's time. That's right. As the broom. I need a broom. (laughs) Where's the dustpan? We're having some fun today. Uh, Look at that mess, Monty. What are you doing? I know. Well, listen, uh, Fabrico Jimenez, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Say that. Fabrico Jimenez was busted during a routine traffic stop in Tampa. Why is Florida always. The center of all the crazy stuff when it comes to drugs and alcohol. Because it's near the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, maybe. Um, (laughs) Anyway, during a routine traffic stop in Tampa, uh, when cops spotted white powder around his nose, he dropped the old, it's not mine, line. It's a powder donut. (laughs) Uh, But that didn't uh, quite work when the drugs were literally visible on his face. Okay, so it's on your face. You've done the... uh, what was that movie with Al Pacino? Scarface? Scarface. Where he's sitting at the desk and he just falls into the pile of cocaine. You know, he's looking up at you. Oh, this this isn't mine. <laughs> well, you know, a good lawyer might argue, did you take a sample of what was on his nose just to make sure? Maybe right. it's powdered sugar. Maybe it was one of them donuts. <laughs> Gosh, I love those donuts. They're really garbage ones, too. Mm. You know, the little mini white powdery ones that you buy at 7-Eleven. I can't eat those things anymore. That's a bummer. That's what happens when they crack open your chest. Man. Can't uh... eat anything that tastes good. All right, here's the second one. Another Florida man, of course, Joseph Zach, who claimed during a traffic stop that the cocaine baggie cops found in his car must have been blown in there by the wind. Well, this is interesting because just recently... A woman who also lives in Florida told cops that the wind must have blown her cocaine baggie into her purse. Hmm. 
Okay. Okay. So I guess the wind and narcotics is not your friend. So if you're going to go out on a windy day, be careful. You might get drugs blowing onto your onto yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the wind. There's, there's the people wind. out there right now going. Uh, I'm going outside. I'm going outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all my years. Is it windy out? All my years of heavy narcotic use, the wind never oh. gave me those gifts of of drugs. In fact, I never hear these stories about these guys on these work crews that come across these big bags of dope and stuff. And I'm like, that never happened to me. Right? That never happened to me. I had a guy, a client one time, and said that uh, he delayed his you know, admittance to treatment because he's walking down the street and there was, you know how you roll up a sock? In yeah. A little ball. Yeah. He said he was walking down the street and he kicked this, this sock roll and it was a little, it was hard. Uh-huh. So he picked it up and it, op- it opened the thing up and there was a, there was an eight ball of cocaine oh in my there. Gosh. So he, <laughs> he goes, well, I guess this is, you know, this is God providing me with, uh, you know, we're not going whatever. to treatment today. <laughs> that stuff never happens i know i mean is it are are these stories true i mean i just can't yeah (laughs) i don't know i never uh here's one psychotic or psychosis when uh teresina or teresina police it's a it's brazilian name uh raided a brazilian couple's home for drugs the residents were first tipped off by their parrot. This isn't the first time this has happened, by the way. <laughs> Who authorities believe the owners trained to warn them when cops arrived. The parrot, parrot was initially seized by the police and held for questioning. <laughs> okay. Although the parrot remained now chatty. Now you're reaching. The parrot remained chatty just before and during the raid. It didn't snitch. And it will likely spend the rest of its life behind bars <laughs> at the Terezina City Zoo. <laughs> you... Hey, Polly, give it up. <laughs> Must be a really slow day in that town. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but that's that's not the first time a parrot's been involved in a drug bust. I don't know. I guess people think that by a parrot, you won't get busted, I guess. I don't know. That would be the opposite of what I would think. <laughs> Especially if it's a talking parrot. If it's one of those that really picks up everything you're saying. And, yeah. and, and you didn't feed it that day yet. It's behind the armoire. It's behind the armoire. <laughs> the picture over the fireplace. Picture uh, yeah. over the fireplace. Bad Polly. Bad Polly. All right. Um, that does it for our icebreaker. We'll be back right after this with the topic, Overcoming Hidden Fears. Oh, no. Hey, everybody, check it out. It's the Monty Man from Take 12 Recovery Radio, and I am so excited to be welcoming Dr. Rob Kelly to the Take 12 Recovery Radio family for his show, The Rob Kelly Hour. Listen, Dr. Kelly has worked with thousands of people, including celebrities of film, music, and sports. And he has lectured at many high-profile universities and hospitals. And now, this world-renowned addiction specialist 
Well, he's coming to take 12 Recovery Radio. So mark your calendars for Monday, March 22nd for the debut show of the Rob Kelly Hour right here at Take12Radio.com and all major podcasting platforms. It's the Rob Kelly Hour. I'm sorry to interrupt, but everybody, this is Cecil from the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, the first and second Monday of every month. And I thought I would just jump on over here to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with Dave and the Monty Man to let you know that all of our shows here at KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are downloadable and listenable on all your major podcasting platforms. Just link to them from Take12Radio.com. Now back to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today. Welcome back to the show. CADC Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming. What's up? <clears throat> Listenable? Is that a word? Listenable? Listenable? I guess it is now. <laughs> Thank you, Cecil. <laughs> All right, uh, fears, man. We're you know there's a there's a lot of, we could boy we could go on about this. We right. kind of did before the show, right? right? There's a lot of fear being injected into people's lives. If we if it wasn't enough that we deal with fear on a pretty regular basis, just without any help, right? There's a lot of fear mongering going on, and without getting into details or what some would consider an outside issue. Um, how do we deal with that stuff? How do we overcome that stuff? And and you have a reading for us, Dave, uh, that you sent me uh, about this. But um, and, and read it at any point in the show that you want to share it. But uh, yeah, I love the acronym F E A R: false evidence appearing real. Right, right. It kind of applies to what's going on in the world today, doesn't it? Talk about fake news. Oh, did I go there? And we lost the other half of the audience. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all right. We we we've we've still got the eighty percent. There you go. That are awake <laughs> and listening. Go. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Um. So there is a lot of evidence out there that that uh, we take in as truth in our own lives that really is false evidence. I mean, we talk about, we've said it since we were in junior high, right? People have told us 99.9% of the things you fear don't even come true. And maybe those numbers are off a little bit, but you get the idea. A lot of stuff that we're afraid of doesn't happen. Well, it's it's all, it's why people stay stuck in their addiction. That's people. That's why people get into addiction. Right. Is they have these fears that they're, you know, uh, real or imagined, right? That they can't break free from. They're their reality, real or imagined at the time, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why do you think people hold on so tightly to things they're afraid of when what's coming out of their mouth is they want to let go, but they, but they don't? Uh, because it is... It's that fear, you know, here's a fear again. It's it's the uh the unknown, right? 
because everything that they've been doing up to that point, right? They know they know how it's going to end or how what the outcome is or what you know, if I do A then B is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. When they go to try to make to do something new or different that that is out of the ordinary for them, uh they don't know what's going to happen. So right. there's the 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 fear of, of the unknown. Of the unknown of, well, if I try this, then, you know, everything could get ruined. But at the same time, if I try this, everything could become much better. Yeah. So it's it's that old, you know, the the the, the fear of, uh, of staying where you're at uh, has to be, you know, greater than the fear of changing. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Something yeah. like that, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and so, I mean, that's what I had to get to. And I don't know, I don't know if I even think you thought of it in, in the, uh, in the, the, the aspect context. of fear. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, uh, you know, I guess depending on what, you know, what aspect you're talking about, but it's like, I relied on myself, right? Yeah. You know, the whole selfish, self-centered and controlling. Well, that was because I had to be. Right? Uh, Your survival of, d- depended on Right. Because right. Of, of life experience up to that point. You know? Uh, and so I had to get to a point with God's help to do something different. Right, I've talked about this before. The only thing you have to change is everything. Right, is something that I heard a couple of times, and that's a scary statement. And that, well, the first time I heard of that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right, come on, uh, that's like, yeah, uh, you have to go to the moon, right, to get sober. Well, that ain't gonna happen. So, but it was, uh, I heard it, you know, a couple of times, and the last time I was in a, a space where, you know, uh, God came and met me. And, and removed my obsession uh, and my addiction, and then I had to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this before, and so I made that. I made a deal. I said, "Okay, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability for an entire year, and if my life doesn't change, I can always go back to doing." Always go back, yeah, right. And so that was the point where I had to try new things and be okay with however the results were, right? Because I didn't know how they were going to turn out. Yeah. But if I didn't try something different, I'm going to keep, you know, the insanity is like doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. I didn't want to do that. I couldn't do that. I felt that God was telling me basically, I mean, this was after I had, I had a brain hemorrhage and survived that without being a vegetable and some other things happened and, I still wasn't paying attention. And so basically God was telling me, if you don't change now, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. And so I had to do something different. And within a very short time, my life changed. And then I thought, well, I this is kind of cool, so I want to keep doing this. And, and so I did. Yeah. You know? And the, I discovered that Doing something different, although it was scary at times, turned out really well. You know, it wasn't always the way that I, you know, uh, thought it would turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to 
utilize some coping skills throughout that stuff so that the outcomes became better than I would have expected or mm-hmm. planned or hoped mm-hmm. for. And so I thought, well, then I might as well just keep doing this. Yeah. In order for the, you know, and, and I've, I had the, uh, the uh, opportunity to, you know, go to some, some trainings and, you know, I, I was blessed enough to be in an area where I was able to uh, go to these, uh, these uh, events called Second Sunday. And so the second Sunday of the month, you'd have people come in and do and speakers and national speakers. And, you know, there was one that came in um, that talked about, uh, cha- you know, wrote a book and something to the effect of change your mind and the rest will follow. And that was all about changing you know, how you think about things and then change how you react to things and then it actually changes how you do things. You bet. And so I saw that happening in my life. And so I, you know, learning even before I ended up going to school for uh, to be an addiction counselor, uh, I discovered that my life can be different if I just start thinking differently and start doing differently. Which requires help though, right? I mean, you, you, you just can't sit on your couch and say, and think yourself thinking differently. You've, well, yeah. And you, I tried that. You that tried was, doing it on your own. I've yeah. tried everything yeah. before I got yeah. to that point. You know, I've got <laughs> funny story, you know, uh, when I went to treatment the last time I brought my, you know, dozen or half dozen of self-help books with you with me right (laughs) because you know i'm actually going to read them this time right right. yeah imagine that or read them all the way through and not just the first you know couple chapters anyway so i i put them on you know uh, next to our our bed we had a a little desk and then you know on on top of that a little shelf yeah right so i am all stacked up there well the first meeting with my uh, my counselor, she said, "You're not allowed. You know, I don't want you to read those. Read those at all. I want you to touch them." So I had to sit there for 28 days, and every time I sat at my desk, I had to look at those books and practice not touching them. And that was a little that was a little hard, but I was focusing on what uh, what I needed to do while I was there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the first time I went through the program, I think I did, you know, I went through to step five. And then the next time I went through, uh, the last time I went through, I actually, you know, went all the way up to, I think, uh, uh, what, step eight? Mm-hmm. You know? And I had already had a spiritual awakening before I got there. And, you know, and so... The, there were still some of the same people there that were there when I was there last time. And I thoroughly was ready to, you know, put aside my, my fear and my control and do whatever the recommendation was, which I thought was going to be the same it was before that I didn't even do. I didn't I didn't comply. I just did my own thing. So uh, it was like a week and a half, two weeks in. The counselor says, uh, do you want to know what your aftercare plan is? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, cause in my mind, I already know what it is, right? I'm going right. to go, I'm going to go to a halfway house, you know, whatever. I was ready to, to give up my job, my house, my, my apartment, right? everything. And, uh, she says, well, you're going to go home. I'm like, what? 
Yeah. You know what to do. Now you, you, you need to go do it. And I thought she was joking. I walked out of there and I was like, ah, whatever. And then I realized pretty quickly that, that she was serious and that uh, now what? What am I going to, you know? And so I had to I had to get a, I got a sponsor before I left, um, which is something that I wouldn't have done because I don't need anybody's help. I could do it myself. Yeah, sure. And so I I did basically everything, uh, probably two hundred percent the mm-hmm. way that it was suggested. Yeah, you know, and uh, those fears that I had uh, quickly went away. Right. Going to meetings, I was like not about. I'm. I, I'd rather isolate and hang out with my family and read my self help books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'd go to meetings. I would start by waiting till the meeting was just about to start, and I'd dip in, sit in the back row, and then I'd you know as soon as it was over, Skip I'd out of dip there. out. Yeah. Same with church. I'd sit in the back row, or I'd sit next to the soundboard because that's my comfort zone, and then I'd you know I'd dip out uh, before everybody else because there was a big crowd, or whatever. Uh, and I slowly started uh, moving forward and then started, like, facilitating uh, the AA and NA groups and then started a meeting and then, you know, started moving closer up to the front at church and got involved with ministry. And, you know, so it was all these things that I wanted to do, but there's that fear of whatever, Right. Sure. No one's going to, if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't like me. Yeah. Right. Um, so what, what, what I'm hearing you say though, is, is that at some point you stepped out of you and started following directions from somebody else. You actually, you came to a point where he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Yeah. I've tried you, it every you, other way. I've tried so. it every other way. And it's funny because I make the, I make the, the joke uh, I wish it was mine. I heard it from Mark Lundholm, a recovery comedian. You know, H- Hazleton Publishing is the largest publisher of self-help books for people whose problem is self-help. You know, which is, I mean, and they do have a lot of great books, but it is kind of funny because that that was me too. I thought, I can do this by myself. I'll just read some literature and I'll help myself. Thank you very much. And I always fell flat on my face. And then every time I fell flat on my face, I would become more and more fearful of doing it differently. It kept sending me deeper and deeper and deeper into isolation. And 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 don't you know that isolation is a huge part of the reason people don't succeed, right? Okay. <laughs> Agree with me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just playing around. Yeah, because uh, you were isolating. Well, until you weren't. Yeah, I mean, it's because I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm. Uh, but it's different today, though. You, well, be- it, it's different today because before there was something missing. Now I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah, but that's a different motivation. Right. To spend time, quiet time, and be by yourself. I can enjoy that today and actually benefit from it. Right. Um, and it helps me enjoy being around other people when it's time to be around other people. Right. Um, re- read that reading that you have, though. It's it's really... Uh, let's see here. Uh, hidden fear. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Second Corinthians twelve nine. 
I wasn't afraid of anything. I wasn't allowed. My dad's order to me was, don't get angry, don't cry, and don't be afraid. And so I wasn't. Unless I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. Does it sound familiar to anybody? Yep. After I got into AA, I heard how fear was behind my every negative feeling, negative reaction, and character defect. You can imagine how puzzled I was. <clears throat> I wasn't afraid of anything, and yet fear was behind all my problems. A dilemma that would last for two years. One evening, uh, as I heard a young man speak of his fear, I suddenly realized that I was afraid of everything. That night, I wrote a list of 14 primary fears and prayed them out, prayed about them. As I continued to acknowledge my fears, the Lord provided faith to deal with each of them. God's grace is truly sufficient as I learned and relearned that my powerlessness over my fears provides me with strength to overcome them. Lord, thank you for my for providing your strength to me. I pray that I may be I may grow strong as I continue to confess my fears to you. I love this reading because he says he says that he believed that he that he wasn't afraid of anything. And, and that was like a coping mechanism. I'm not afraid of it. And I've heard guys guys that you and I have worked with. I'm not afraid of anything. Uh, Nothing I've, scares me. I've I've said it too. I mean, yeah. I believed it. Is that a, is that a coping mechanism to keep you in a in a form of denial from your fears so you don't experience your fears? It's almost kind of a like a looping thing, right? Mm, well, I think it's a defense mechanism or a, you know, when I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but living living the life that I lived at uh, for many years, living on the dark side, you know, doing the stuff. Stuff. And that was kind of a, that was kind of the image you had to portray. He if, says. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And so you, you almost, you believe it. Right. Mm. And that whole word powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had this conversation before about sure. it, but with something different. And I believe that we're not powerless. We just choose not to tap into the power, tap into the power. Right. Um, we can choose to do it or not do it, but it's his power. We got to type into not our own intellect. Right. Right. I think if we, if we acknowledge we have fear and we don't do anything about it, um, we're not tapping into our, our power, right? Right, right. It's, it's, and it's, if I give the fear power, then I start to become powerless over that fear, over the fear. until I do something about it. It's kind of like, you know, the, the, we had that conversation about, about, uh, about addiction. It's like, I can sit here and I can have a bottle of, you know, uh, vodka or tequila in front of me, you know, because those are my my drinks of choice, and I can I can choose whether or not I'm going to pick it up or if it's, I'm going to leave it on the counter, right? But if I pick one up and I start uh, put, take a pull off of it, I don't know what's going to happen. Then you're going to lose your. Then my power is gone. Goes down I'm, the toilet, right? I'm power, my powerless over that first drink or that first drug because my I've heard so many stories of people that after 10 20 years all of a sudden 
well, I, you know, I can drink again. And they ended up, you know, a few months later, uh, end up dying. Yeah. You know, or maybe a year later, but it's, it happens pretty quick. And same thing with drug addiction. You go, you people that go through programs and, you know, some, some of the people we know go through a year long program and they, they decided that, oh, I'm, you know, I've been clean for a year. So, you know, what's, you know, I can use one time or whatever. And they end up using what they used when they're in the height of their addiction and freaking die. And they die. They die. Yeah. You know, it's like, know several people have done that, you know, uh, he says, he says, God's grace is truly sufficient. As I learn and relearn that my powerlessness over my fears provides me with the strength to overcome them. So it's interesting because it's almost an oxymoron, right? right? My powerlessness gives me the strength, gives me power. So once right, it's, it's like what we, what I was just talking about. Yeah. Like I can, I can do the same thing over and over again, right? Expecting yeah. a different result. Right. I have I have this fear, but I don't do anything about it. As soon as I start doing something, then it gives me power to keep doing something, and then try new things because now I'm seeing that it isn't a bad thing that I'm doing something different. Right. And he in this in this reading he writes them out. Yeah. You know, and we know that in 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 the fear inventory in the fourth step in the big book of AA, you write out what are you afraid of? You write you know and and what what God-given instincts are they threatening? So you're really looking at them, and I think the more you look at them and and face them head on, the more power you start to gain. Right. Right? And then 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 the false evidences they become more and more watered down and they start to fade. And you were saying how once you face this stuff, the fears started to go away. Well, when you, when you sit down and you look at it and you, you, you have a sponsor or spiritual advisor or whatever, have somebody to bounce this stuff off of you, you, you figure out that this stuff is this, these fears are um, sometimes unfounded or they're just a defense mechanism or it's just, you know, you're afraid to push through to the next level, but yeah. oftentimes we don't even, we can't even see what our fears really are. Right. right? And so it takes time and people want to like get well, more often than not, people get sober and, uh, uh, start their new life. And then they want everything to change and get fixed within the first six months or the first year. Sometimes it takes two years, three years, four years, 10 years, in order to be to the spot where you where you want to be, that you've been able to identify everything, yeah, because it's a it's something as a work in progress. It's a healing process. And we, and, we have to yeah. continue to practice right these principles mm-hmm. in all our affairs, mm-hmm. and that means that we have to practice uh, doing the steps, or you know, discussing. Uh, then with our sponsor or whatever, uh, that's why people that are in long-term recovery are encouraged to continue to go to, to meetings because you have great insight uh, to pass on. But not only that, but I know from my own personal experience is I may hear something I've heard a million times and all mm-hmm. of a sudden today, because of what's going on in my life, I may get something totally different. It finally clicks. Or, you or go, I get what, something, yeah. I look at it from a different perspective yeah. and go, oh yeah, okay, maybe I need to look at that mm. because, you know, the whole, you know, God... God will help us work things out in time. And if we're not ready, we're not going to be, it's not going to be revealed to us 
what some of those things are. Well, we won't be receptive of it. At, we're, yet. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're just not ready. We don't have enough time. And, and I, you know, I, I hear people all the time that they want to go out there and make amends and do this and do that. And it's like, I want to fix everything and pay off. You know all this stuff, and it's like in the first year, it's like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Settle yeah. down. So yeah, they want to go. They want to hit the ninth step, you know, before they even had their first coffee break at the meeting, right? I want to go right. make amends right now. No, put pump the brakes, pump the brakes. You know, a, a statement was made yesterday. I was listening to a speaker uh, talk about um, this process of when when somebody first gets into recovery that whose head is just really cloudy. I mean, they're just, they're, they're like right borderline DTs and everything. And they're just a mess. And you got some well-meaning drug and alcohol counselors that want to talk to them about triggers. And it's a moot point. They can't even think clearly. They, they have no idea. It really has, it, it, you got to get that, that head clear and every, you know how it is when you talk to a drunk, right? They're not going to remember half of what you talk to them. And then some of these well-meaning folks think, well, why didn't they get it? We were talking about triggers. and There's a time for that because this whole recovery thing is a process. You've got to start at the beginning. You can't start, like in the 12-step program, you can't start at step nine. You can't start at step 12. People want to start well-meaning people of faith want to start at step three. Well, I, I gave my life to God years ago in high school. Why do I need to do steps one, two, and three? Right. Because that's the process, you knucklehead. It's not three is one and four is two and you know what you know what I mean. Well a lot of programs are, you know, you got thirty, sixty, ninety day programs, they're basically just uh planting the seeds and in, in, in you know, adding to your foundation, if you will, uh, information. So if someone s- tries to, you know, help you like identify triggers, the idea is like if you know what some of them are you identify them, but as you go out, there's going to be when you get back into society or back into yeah. wherever, you're going to discover these triggers that you didn't think of or didn't think they were going to be triggers. Now all of a sudden, you know you see uh, you, you know you see Susie, and you're triggered all over the place, right? On all kinds of different. But levels. you're sober now. You're clear-minded now, so you're going to be able. And see, this speaks to what I hear, and you do too. People get into particularly a residential program or maybe even outpatient, and they want to know right away, how long is this going to take? How long is this? Is this 30, 60, 90? What is this? Uh, This is a year program. A year? I don't have a year. I'm not doing a year. That speaks to fear. Right. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house. Who's going to take care of my dog? And and we can plug all those holes. What you've been doing for the last five years. Right. We can plug all those holes, and then they're without excuse. Well, I, 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 I just, you know, and so they want they want a timeline. I think it would benefit people when it comes to particularly uh, inpatient and outpatient treat, uh, formal treatment. If we didn't give them a time limit, we said, you know what, we're going to evaluate this on a regular basis, and we're starting today. But we're not going to tell you that you're ready to hit the bricks. In thirty sixty nine, yeah, there's probably a point five or one percent that could actually do that, though. Truthfully, sure, sure. And then the insurance Everybody, companies want a number, well, yeah, right? They, yeah, they they have they're working off uh, dates and numbers and time frames and yeah. I mean, there's so much involved that you can't 
I mean, that's why it took me to the – I had to get to the point where I was just focused on one day at a time. Yeah. Didn't put any, like, you know, end Expectations date. on – It's like you hear – what I heard was 90 meetings in 90 days, and I said, okay, that's – I'm just going to go to meetings, right? And I went to meetings every day for almost two years because I didn't focus on the 90 meetings. I focused on – Then it came and went, and you didn't today. notice it, right? Well, I, I noticed it because I'm like, this is – this is kind of cool. I've, you know, oh, I see first time, yeah, yeah, first time that I've actually done something like this, and you know, like when I got when I got my 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 um, my coins or, or my key tags or whatever, it, I went in there, you know, and, and and collected them because I it was it was that reward for myself that I actually accomplished this, mm-hmm. right. And then um, I just kept doing it. I mean, there, when there was like six months or a year, I you know, I'd go to every one of my meetings and get a get a coin or a key tag because that not only meant a lot to me, but in all those meetings, you know, there was usually you know, except for maybe like, you know, a handful. There's all different people. So the idea was to actually, not only for me, but to actually show other people that this is achievable. Exactly. Rather than just going to one meeting and getting it from that one meeting with the same people you see all the time. It's like, for it was one of those things that's like part of that service work component of it, right? Because mm-hmm. you're actually giving it away. I can't keep what right. I have unless I give it away. And giving it away is is standing up and say, yes, this is... I. I've got to this milestone uh, one day at a time. So we've talked about some obvious fears. You know, like people, some people might have fear of success, they have fear of making amends to somebody because of what might happen. You know, there, there's different kind of fears. Oh, fear, you know, I, I don't know if I can do a, a whole year. I'm scared. But overcoming hidden fears. So what's a hidden fear? Well, I suppose it could be a lot of things, you know. It's yeah. Like I, I mentioned earlier, it's like that. If if I if people really knew me, got to know me, they wouldn't like me. Or, um, and you're not going to tell anybody that you're going to keep that hidden, right? Right. You're if keep I that, yeah. If I, you know, if I put myself out there, um, if I ask for help. There isn't going to be anybody to help me because mm-hmm. everyone's out for themselves, mm-hmm. right? So there's a little bit of that that goes on. Um, hmm. Maybe there, maybe there's some in, some trauma in your life you and go. you don't want to talk about it, right? You may not even know what that is because yeah. of survival techniques, right? You, you don't even recognize those yet. Right. Well, you know, there's – it's funny you mentioned that because I watched uh, – Gosh, I always get the title wrong for some reason. Um, I, I I I call it the diary of a wallflower, but I think it's called. Oh, else. I know what you're talking right? about. It yeah, was yeah, on yeah. this one of the channels that I watched yesterday, and I watched it again. And part of the part of it that I remember, I remembered it wrong, but it there was a there was a point in the the movie where the guy that he's 
attracted to this one girl and they've been friends and he's really been in love with her for like years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finally, he finally tell, tells her how he feels about her, right? And they, she touches his leg and all of a sudden he has this, his memory is triggered. And they don't show it at that particular moment, but later on it shows his him remembering that his aunt that was his best friend was actually molesting him. Oh, okay. And he just, he had a, he had a mental breakdown before and he was on medication and all this, but he, he had a, he blacked out and cause he was gonna, he was gonna, um, he was gonna harm himself and he blacked out uh, and they got there before and he wakes up in a psychiatric ward hmm. and actually goes through it with the psychiatrist and you know his, tells they tell his parents and everything but it was uh he had blocked that out so that was hidden that was hidden yeah. right his yeah. his subconscious hidden from him to protect him do you, do you think that that there's the those, reason, and then there's the ones that we know about that we hide because we... Yeah, we tuck them deep away. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's the whole, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that have been sexually molested, it's usually by another male. And uh, that's like the relative, taboo. And that's yeah. like, well, you know, they start thinking, well, maybe, I, you know, it's my fault or I'm right. gay or something and it's not has anything to do with them it's it's that other predator that's that other person that it's their sickness or whatever and so you don't want and a lot of people don't want to let that out so it's interesting you say that because in the little mini in in the uh the organization that that i work for outside of the station there's a little mini assessment that's just for my eyes and when uh, when a, um, a a new uh, person comes in for residential treatment, um, there's a couple, there's several questions um, I am dealing with, and there's like you know nicotine, uh, narcotics, alcohol, food, blah 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 blah. There's a whole list of things, and one of them is confusing uh, sexual situations or like that. And it, it always amazes me how so many guys will check off every single one except that one. And and when a guy does check that one off, they're usually the, the guy that is usually more open and honest about everything in general. Um, but I look at that and I go, I know why most people are not checking it. Some people have never had any confusing sexual experiences. But when you're dealing with narcotic addiction, particularly, I'm not buying it every time. I'm just like, you know, I, yeah. I, because and I know how hard that must be, even if you are 100 percent convinced that the person you trust is the only one who's going to see that piece of paper. They still can't check it off because it's so traumatic. I, I I've discovered that, too, when I'm like doing assessments. Yeah. When you get down to the questions about abuse. Yeah. You can tell their body language, everything. Well, right? body language, and they they typically pause, yeah, before they answer the question, yeah. If it's you my know, heart goes out to that and, that guy, right? You know? And it's and just, the other thing is, is too is I think in the in the the program that you're talking about, I think it's, you know, I think it's uh, 
it becomes more of a an issue than not. Because I know the first program I worked in was a co-occurring disorder program. And I was shocked. You know, I would say 80% of the guys that I work with, mm-hmm. they admitted that they had been sexually uh, abused or assaulted. You were shocked at how many were openly admitting it? I was not only that, but that how prevalent it was with people in addiction. Oh. And then, I, you know, I would bet that the other, you know, you know, there was probably 99% that had been through there had, had some kind of experience. Yeah. But only, you know, 80, 85% were actually admitting to it. The rest were, they weren't going to, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to mm-hmm. display any weakness depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what your environment, living environment, what your upbringing was. Is like you don't, you know, there's a lot of guys that work with it, that weakness, vulnerability. Right. It's a big word and it, it, they tie it into weakness. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, and so it, it becomes a problem depending on on the program, uh, and it has to be that relationship, the therapeutic relationship. I think with the counselors, because what often happens is is things get uh, it's their interpretation. Because if they think that whatever they say to you mm-hmm. is confidential, and then somebody mentions it in a staff meeting right is it then confidential right right and because i always tell my guys i say hey you know what whatever you tell me stays between us yeah and unless you tell me you're going to harm yourself or someone that's what i tell them too if you and if if, if you if you're if i feel you're going to harm yourself or somebody else then that's off the table but other than that i have no reason to you know make that known yeah, I mean, and if someone tells me they're using the program, then I give, I tell them, look, this is how I do it. Deal with it. You go, you got twenty four hours to go sure. deal with it, <clears throat> and then I'll take care. You know, I will if I have to. I'll intervene, but yeah, you have to take responsibility because otherwise, you're going to take you could take out you know everyone else that's there. We are out of time, and uh, this overcoming hidden fears, fears in general. Um, it takes time, folks. It just does. And hang in there. I mean, j- please. Um, C- can I yeah. say something real quick? I, I think it, it it boils down to trust. Mm-hmm. So once you can start trusting people, trusting yourself, and just pick one person that you can trust. Yeah, you don't have to trust the whole, the whole right. room, right? You know, you have yeah. to start, you know, uh, you have to start testing the waters as you say yeah don't jump in and say you know the worst case scenario yeah right thing that's that's most fearful thing ever you know start with something small and and see what happens and then go from there yeah that's really good advice that's really good advice uh so i wanted to give a shout out uh to respect the person's anonymity i'm not going to mention their name uh but i got i got a a uh, a text if you will from a response from one of our shows um, from quite a while back. And this person was ready to end it all. They were going to end their life. And uh, this particular show that was on Take 12 Radio, um, they listened to it and they changed their mind. They changed their mind and they said, you guys 
saved my life today. Um, whatever that person was afraid of, you know, and I'm not saying we're we're the great white salvation here or whatever, but they tuned into this show and they decided to live. And I'm telling you, if you find value in any of our broadcasts here at Take 12 Recovery Radio, uh, you know, the thing that we ask more than anything else is that you share that with other people. Share our website address, take12radio.com. Uh, the number 12 or the word spelled out, doesn't matter. Um, and you can download our shows uh, on most major podcasting platforms. Our favorite one is Podomatic. Um, but you can do that. Um, you could contact us here. If you'd like to write Dave, if you'd like to write myself or any of our co-hosts, you can email us at take12radio at comcast.net. Um, but if you know somebody who's hurting, who's dealing with hidden fears, who's dealing with fears, they just are stuck, you know, turn them on to one of our broadcasts. Who knows, right? It, you may have tried everything else. Just showing up, man, because, you know, when I hear stories like that, um, that's I've, I've heard things like that. I've experienced people saying, you know, same thing. I was going to harm myself. And yeah. I came to this meeting and listening to you guys. Now I have some hope. Right. Right. And that's just people showing up. If we do, we're just yeah. showing up here to do this radio show, you know, and whatever brought that person to turn, tune in, you know, I like to think it God intervenes and, and points us in a direction that we need to, yeah. we need to be in at that particular moment. Sometimes it's the fear of being alone and no one's going to understand. And then you walk into the rooms of recovery or you turn on a podcast or whatever, and you realize I'm not so alone. Right. You know, uh, and, and sometimes that's all it takes. Good stuff. Closing thoughts, Dave. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go out and try just one thing new. One thing different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. Our closing song is by Tom Storms. Um, It's called Redemption in the Rain. Listen, man, it, it might be pouring down. I mean, fears are coming down on you like crazy, but you are redeemable. And uh, there is a rescue. There is a rescuer. And and I'll tell you, um, when you think all is lost, there is definitely redemption in the middle of the storm. Here's Tom Storms with his song, Redemption in the Rain.
That's the recovery music and recovery sounds of Mr. Tom Storms. If you'd like more of his music, search for him on Spotify or on Amazon. You can also find Tom on Facebook by searching for Tom Storms Music. If you want to access some of the best in recovery recording artists and their music, visit us at Take12Radio.com. Click on the Recovery Music banner, and you'll find a bunch of sets of recovery music that really is top-notch. Please check it out, download for fun and for free. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with CADC Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming, And we're reminding you that because of God's great love, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.